I'm standing at the top of Henry Street in Dublin, right where it meets O'Connell Street. It's the same place I was standing on St. Patrick's Day watching the parade. On that day, I noticed a large group of teenagers that stood out from the crowd. They were African young people. But although they looked like they may have come from Nigerian or South African backgrounds, these young people sounded Irish. I imagine they might be the children of migrants who'd come here over the last 10 to 15 years. I was curious to know what that was like. Do they regard themselves as Irish, African or something else? I sometimes work with teenagers and we all know it can be a really challenging time in your life. So I stood there watching the St. Patrick's Day group and wondered what extra challenges they face as a result of living between two cultures. To begin to find out, I'm going to take a walk back down Henry Street and on up to the Phoenix Park. Yeah, the only blessing in the city where I kick it is the whole of Dublin. Is looking for something like dark kids for black kids and dealers for junkies, the pimps, the foreigners, the priests. They all want the keys to the cheese because vanity is pleasing to the mind, but they fail to understand that I'm not the kind of guy. My third eye opens. Oh, speak to each other, that's it. On your bike. In the box, lads, in the box. She was playing last year, right? And the way she was tackling all the other... No, I wasn't tackling no one, actually. I scored a goal and you disallowed it. Yeah, because, because it wasn't no, a goal, it was no. handball. No, it wasn't a handball, you. <laughs> My name is Kugule Tubanda and I'm originally from South Africa. I am currently living in James Street in Dublin, in the inner city. She's very cheeky. I have to teach you the fair play rules. As you do, we'll have it down inside, though. Yeah, can I have one of those, buddy? Just one. We're in the Phoenix Park. Uh, it's a scorching hot day and we are currently at the... Soccerfest 2012. The Soccerfest is an annual event that promotes integration through sport. It's organised by Sports Against Racism Ireland and at any one time, multiple games are underway. Different teams come together from all different cultures and all different parts of Ireland and play football fairly. There's a DJ which is really good because we're out in the park and open air and it's really hot day. Uh, there's drums, there's face painting for kids. There's like people just coming together as one and enjoying the game of football. Gugu is passionate about soccer and easily remembers the first time she kicked the ball. My best friend, like she was the first friend I made in primary school. Her name was Lauren Graham. And I remember the first day I got to school, she came over to me, she's like, will you be my friend? And we were all new and everybody was just, like, so scared. And I was just like, oh, yeah, I'll be your friend. But we became really, we were best friends. Like. And I remember one day I stayed in the house and she was like, yeah, come on, we go outside and play football. And Lauren was an unbelievable player, but we didn't really, like, play football in school. Like, I mean, like, the boys wouldn't let us play with them. And she was like, yo, go at football. And I was like, not really, like, I'm just playing because you kicked the ball at me. And she's like, oh, the power on you, the shot on you. And I Gugu is helping to coordinate the under-13s competition. We're just going to try and keep this short and simple so we can play football. Uh, this is fair play football. That means there's no referee. So there's rules, but you guys have to make them up. The main reason I play football, like when you're on the football pitch, you forget the world. And I talk for myself, like I forget the world. Like I'll be on a football pitch and you don't even think, like you're just playing the game of football. Yeah. And for the team that has girls... One girl will be asked to be on the pitch at this all time. 
Lads, lads. Lads. Emmanuel, down behind you. Like there is racism around, and these are trying to stop it by bringing everybody from all different cultures together. And have you ever experienced racism on the pitch? Yeah, I did once or twice, and uh, I was told to leave it. Under 13. It turns out that some of the players on one of the teams are overage. Are they? Yeah. Alright, I'll sort that out for you now. No problem. This proves quite controversial and keeps her busy for some time. In the meantime, I get some lunch. And while I'm eating, a young man taking a break from the football asks me if it's okay to share my table. We get talking and he tells me he's from Somalia. My name is Abdi. I'm here about 10 years. How old are you? 18. So you're here more than half your life? Yeah. And so if I was to say to you, do you feel like you belong or where do you fit in? What would you say? I believe I'm Irish. You know, because I don't really have a, a country to go back to now, you know. There Why is, did you say that? Because there's been a civil war in my country before I was born. They are trying to set up a government, but these clans and warlords and gangsters basically fighting over. And then usually if a young person my age, it's their target. They use him to fight for them, you know. And if I go back now, that's, that's, that's how it's going to happen. A lot, a, lot, a lot of young kids have been brainwashed to go back and they fight for them. And many of them got killed in horrific ways than you can think, you know. Their families in... Europe and in America and in Canada, traumatized, you know. So I do want to go back in the future. I don't want to spend all my life in, in Ireland, you know, because I just, I've been here 10 years and I still haven't adopted to the weather, you know. It's raining all the time, raining, raining, raining. I don't mind the cold as much, but raining, raining, because where I'm from, it rains maybe twice a year. But uh, I do see, I do see myself as Irish. And when you say you see yourself as Irish, because I've, I've been, I've been, I've been, I've been, I've been in the community. Uh, I do volunteer around the place. I've been playing for uh, local teams since I got here. I did my school around the area. Everyone around the area knows my name, my first name. And so. when you kind of um, talk to people, say in Ireland or around your community, yeah. you say you regard yourself as Irish. But do yeah. you think? people accept you as Irish or people when people look at you do you think they see I don't, you as Irish? I don't, I don't really care about if people accept me as Irish as long as I'm accepted by the, by the system you know what I mean if people people are never going to accept you as, as, as Irish because for them an Irish person is somebody white you know I don't think that people will ever accept you as Irish It's afternoon in the Phoenix Park now and the sun is high in the sky I complain to Abdi about the intense heat but he just laughs and says that he is all weather skin so it's not a problem for him. Maybe his brown skin is why the old lady he met while travelling back from the UK assumed he was from somewhere other than Dublin's north side. He was trying to use the, the lift, but the lift was out of order. There was about 50 people congregated at the airport. None of, them, none of them told her that the lift was out of service. And then I told her the lift was out of service. And then I talked to her, hey, you all right? You need help? And she was shocked. She said, oh, you seem very common. He said, I'm from Dublin. He said, where are you from in Dublin? He said, from North Dublin. He said, where are you from yourself? He said, from Fingles. He said, all right, are you taking Ryanair? Yeah, I'm taking Ryanair. Yeah, come on then, I'll help you with your bag. I carried her bag for up the stairs, into the plane, opened the cabin, put the bag in, and then when we were leaving, I opened the bag up, took the bag out, and then when we passed the immigration, we came out of the airport, she told me, do you have money for your taxi? 
you know what I mean? So this, for every every country there is good people and bad people, but I think the good people compensate for the, for the bad people, so. And what do you think that experience says then, that she kind of like uh, connected with you because you're both Irish? Pe- yeah, pe- funny enough, when people see you speaking their kind of language, they take you in. But if you speak with a kind of a gaja gaja language that they don't really understand, they take back, you know? They don't really... But if you speak to them, say, yeah, you're right, what's wrong with you? Do you need any help? And then you say, oh, then they can relate to you. Once they can relate to you, it's all right. At this story about helping the older lady while everybody else stood by brings up something I hear again and again from young people I speak to. The different rules of showing respect between Irish culture and African culture, especially when speaking with older people or parents. To find out more about that, I'm travelling to Dundalk in County Loud. Well, this is kind of, I suppose this is like my happy place. I love coming to church. I get to meet my friends. We have a Bible school, which we have started for over a year now. Yeah, over a year. Christ the King Evangelical Church is housed in what looks like a former industrial building, tucked away behind Clan Brazel Street in Dundalk. <laughs> Upstairs, there are offices, a kitchen and classroom. And one room, where an intense prayer session is taking place. Downstairs, a large room is home to the main worship area. That's where the choir practice. Well, my name is Gloria Mori. I'm 19 years old, going 20 in October. I am originally from Nigeria been in Ireland since 2002. I feel like I practically grew up here. There is no one like you. The way Irish children would act or the kind of stuff they would do is totally different from the way we would act and do at home. So if you're being rude to your parent or being rude to someone you're not meant to be rude to, your parents will say something about it and they will take you up on it. You can't just go up to your parents on the day of something and say, right, I'm going to go do this. You kind of have to plan. (laughs) Like if something's going to happen in like four weeks time, you have to be reminding them and telling them, right, this is going to happen. I want to go. Can I go? Can I go? Asking permission you need. Like you can't just go and do anything. You need to ask permission. Some of my friends, they'll be talking and be like, oh, I'm going out on uh, Friday night. And they wouldn't say anything about having to ask their parents' permission. They'll be talking and saying, oh, I have to ask my mom for a lend of 20 euro or a lend of 50 euro, you know, something like that. And I'll be looking at them going, I'd be like, what? You know, I, I couldn't go to my mum and be like, mum, can I have a lend of 20 euro? I, I can't, but like I have to tell her before time, you know, like, and I'm, that I'm going out, you know, and stuff like that. She'd be looking at me going, This is actually a very, very good example. In a Dublin park, Cunley Obambola and Kanya Masambeni huddle against the evening cold in down jackets and woolly hats. When I explain what Glory has been telling me, they nod their recognition. 
When I talk to my mum, there's things I will say in English and straight away in her head she'll translate it back to my language. What, uh, what's your language? It's Yoruba. It's, it's a Nigerian language. And my language is a very strict language as in little things mean big things. So I'll give an example of saying um, if she told me to do something, I was like, mum, please, can I do it later? She would translate it to I don't have time for her now. No. That no, I'm not going to do it. And when I have time, I will go and do it. <laughs> yeah. And so that's very disrespectful. And it kind of contrasts the whole Irish living and the Nigerian living that it kind of stops me and confuses me most time even. And sometimes when she even says, I'll be like, I, I didn't mean it in that way. But she's already taken it to heart because that's what it, that's what it meant to her. And I, I don't, I, I rarely speak Yoruba to her. I actually never speak Yoruba to her. Just little things that, and it can, it can get into big arguments as well because of just one little word I said that, can I do it later? And in English, it's a question, asking for permission oh, yeah. to do it later. I remember you know, when I first came, like when I first got here, you know the way when someone is calling you, like you're like, yeah, like straight away. Like I got used to this thing too quick when I got here. And then my dad, like if he called me and I'll be like, yeah, oh man. You want to know the issues we had after the... I only said it yeah, once. Yeah, yeah. Like, he told me to do something. And I was like, yeah. It means, you know, it means yeah. Is, <laughs> what do you want from me? What do you want? That's what it, that's what it translates to, yeah? So what should you say? I should say, yes, father. Something in those lines. Like, I, I can't just say yes. Shake hands. Thanks very much. Well done. Back at the Phoenix Park, Gugu has resolved the issue with the overage players and is free to talk. Identity isn't, like, something that would be on my mind all the time. Like, as in the way, like, I know that I'm South African. And that's the thing that kind of, like, you know I mean? When people say identity, like, I'm South African. But living here, like, I wouldn't really think of uh, every day, like, oh, am I Irish or am I South African? It wouldn't really cross my mind twice. Gugu loves soccer. Yet despite her talent, she doesn't play with a club. Things didn't go so well at her last club. And I remember we played a match and it was on a home ground and the girls were, like, really mean about it. Like, when I was playing and they were, like, push the monkey, oh, she's a monkey, making monkey sounds at her. Don't mind her, she's a black bastard, you know, stuff like that, which was really irrelevant. What do you think is going on inside their heads that they come out and say stuff like this? I don't know. I just Sometimes I just feel it's the mentality because there's just some, like, my friend Shannon, like, me and her, like, we've known each other since first year, but we've only got close since last year. Like, I'll knock a whole door and I'll be like, I'm at home. And Shannon is this literally like, her mom loves me. Like, I remember when I came back from the way I talked, her mom went to the bingo and she won money and she bought something to eat. Like, and she came home and, like, like Shannon lives in our nanny's house, but our mom lives across the road, you know, like that. And our mom came to our nanny's house and our dad was standing outside and our mom was like, You can drive off now. My daughter's home from the way I talk. I'm not going back home and coming in here to drink and have a curry with them. But we weren't drinking, like, she was just saying, Our auntie's not. But I was sitting there thinking, like, she's literally after being like, My daughter's home from the way I talk, like, do you know what I mean? And then it's just the mentality, like, I can go to Shannon's house and I can feel like I'm at home, like, I can stay there for as long as I want, and our ma, our aunties, everyone will just... Our little brothers and all in school will always come up to me and be like, what's up, and all, like, literally, don't know, like, just, like, I'm one of them, like... But, like, when I go down, when I'm playing football on a team and some people say like, things like that, it's just, like, where is your mentality? Like, you know I mean, like, I'm not a black bastard and I'm not a monkey, I don't not look like a monkey, and just because of my colour and my skin doesn't mean I'm a monkey. Things like that don't happen to me. I mean, I've passed a stage where racism has occurred. Things like that don't happen to me. So when it does happen to me, I don't, I, I don't like it. Like, you know I mean, I kind of feel like it's not, it's something that does pull you away because you feel like at home it wouldn't happen.
even now in South Africa, there is an element of black and white, and it's just still kind of a party, kind of, you know. But people are civil now. They don't bring stuff like that up. Like, you know what I mean, it's just stuff only, like, small-minded people would bring up in South Africa. And I think over here, it's only small-minded people that would say something like that as well, like, you know what I mean? That would be racist. People are over it now, like, you know what I mean? And you've said that uh, you haven't played for a club since that experience. So no. how, how did it kind of leave you feeling? Or Well, when you go to a new club, you, you don't feel comfortable. Like, you know what I mean? There's all these people that have been playing for a long time and you're just the new ones and they want to check you out, which obviously, like, I mean, it's cool. But I just haven't, like, you know, got up and been like, OK, I'm look, I'm still looking for that one team that I feel comfortable with. It did leave me kind of, like, you know what I mean, I wasn't fully motivated anymore. It did take away 50%, even more, of my motivation. <laughs> In Dundalk, Glory has also experienced a setback to her dream of becoming a singer. I wanted to audition for The X Factor. Two years in a row I applied and uh, I got a letter to come and audition, but I never went. I really wanted the support of my mum. I suppose that's not what she wanted from me or anything, but... I didn't want to go on my own. I could have gone on my own and, you know, done it and came home. But I really wanted my mum to go with me. And I seen she didn't want it. And I suppose I was a bit upset. And I gave up, I would say. I gave up on it. I said to myself, right, I'm not, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm going to focus on school and get my degree and, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> If I'd gone to the X Factor, what I would have actually sung then would have been Ave Maria by Beyonce. She was lost in so many different ways Out in the darkness with no light I know the cost of a losing hand Never for the grace of God Oh, I, I found heaven on earth. You are my hunger, my thirst. I always hear this voice inside, singing Ave Maria. There you go. <laughs> Okay. The reason I love Beyonce is because she experiments with different emotions and I love that about her. So when she sang that song and I heard it, I was like, oh my God. It just made me feel so calm and collected. Like, And uh, yeah, I just love that song. Like, There's some songs she sings that really speaks to me and, you know, that kind of it's something I'm going through at that particular time and I play it again and again and again and again. You know, yeah. Jervis. Back in Dublin, I'm travelling into the city centre to catch up with Cunley, Kanye and a few of their friends. We 
Wolftone Park in Dublin city centre is a popular hangout for African teenagers. It's where Kunle and Kanye go to catch up with friends, most of whom know them as Buff and Chronic, the names they use when they're rapping. You can sometimes find Gugu, the young footballer, there too. It's near Jervis Shopping Centre and it's just across the road from Jervis Street on Mary Street, beside the restaurant, the church. And it's just... We call it a cow because there's actually a cow, a sculpture of a cow there, like he's a steel cow. But like this chairs and all, and like we just all sit there and hang around. I'll spend more time in this place than I'll spend anywhere else in Ireland. And I do keep coming back here because it's a place where, yeah, we do all feel comfortable here, you know, so a place where we can just be yourself. In all sincerity, it's just a time for hiatus, no drugs at all, but loading in Las Vegas and still making plans for how I would and retire. Unfortunately for now, I've got to be looking at the spire, but I hate that thing, it's so high and I'm so low. M50 rush hour, I'm moving so slow, but things can only go as far as I want them to go. That's why I keep pushing, that's why I keep pushing. Sometimes there's people that drive and they bring their cars and they play music. I remember in the summer most of there was loads of people. Like the boys usually play football and the girls would just sit there and then like some people would be smoking and then some people would be drinking on a hot summer's day like you obviously would do. And then like there's a lot of people that bring speakers. And then people are just, you know, sing and rapping all around there. But it's just like somewhere to socialise, really. I'm Nigerian because I was born there and I seen everything there. I seen... My mom, I see my dad, I see my granny, my family there, you know? It's whoever I am. It's whoever I actually am is Nigerian. <laughs> are you not part Nigerian and part Irish? Are you not like Just a complex mix of the two? He doesn't want to accept the fact, for example, that he's more Irish than he's Nigerian, yeah? Because it goes back to what he said earlier on, like how you raised. Whenever you tend to a certain age, you are tend to believe that way, you know? Yeah. You say you want me to accept that I'm Irish. At the end of the day, no, not I'm not exactly. Irish, not because I'm black, right? Not because I'm black, that's not why I'm not Irish. It's because I'm just not Irish, it's, it's who I feel I am. It's not who people see me as, whoever I feel I am. Conley's response surprises me. After all, he's part of a generation that's often referred to as the new Irish. But he's open and confident in his Nigerian identity. And when he turns my question on one of his friends, I find out that he's not alone. Why don't you think you're a part of the Irish society? Why don't you see yourself as Irish? I just don't. I got nothing Irish about me, or nothing Irish in me. Kind of talk Irish. Well, well, having the Irish accent doesn't necessarily... Eight, nine years. Exactly. I speak English. Doesn't mean I'm English. I get you. Yeah. That makes your point. Yeah. You're saying, yeah? No matter how long you've lived here. You're still going to be from SA. All the way. Ooh, I made my point. Would you like to ask her any more questions? I think you're, you're doing a very good job. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. It's all right. She's giving me those eyes like, yeah, what are you going to say now? 
No, I, I'm just, I'm just answering. I'm just saying. No, this not be racing, but I was in the chipper with my sister, and there was a half caste little boy standing, and a white fella said to him, "You black bastard!" And he pushed him off the railings, and the half class fella walked out the chipper and he started crying. But it was funny because the lady in the chipper didn't say anything. She didn't say stop it or she didn't say leave him alone. Like me and my sister walked out and we were like, "Want us to walk you home to the little fella? You're all right." It was even more funny that the little boy that pushed him was from the flats, and the little boy that got pushed was from the flats. So they were from one area, but it was still happening to him. And I just thought that was just, like... So for that little boy, like, where is he going to say he's from? Like, do you know what I mean? One of his parents is white and one of his parents is black, obviously. But, like, he's not even belonging in the flats. Like, I just found that weird. so just when I feel I'm getting a handle on things and starting to understand where these young people feel they fit in, something else happens to complicate things further. You guys, you guys are from a tie. Do you still live in a tie? Uh, a tie is the hood, Joe. Shout out to a tie. You, you still live in a tie a bit, Jack? Yeah. Tell me what it's like living in a tie. Boring, nothing to do. <laughs> but a tie is fun, you know, it's a good place, man. I play rugby for that town. I love, I love that place, you know. That's interesting because a lot of people have very conflicted feelings about the place that they call home, you know. There'll be certain aspects that they hold dear, maybe their family's there, uh, but certain things that they don't like, you know, small town life might be boring when you're young. But um, it's interesting that you call a tie home. Oh, yeah, 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 like, you know, where else can I go home here? I went to school, everything, everything I know basically is there. It's funny the way you called us at the age we're at. I just, like, turned 20. It's kind of labelled in my mind where home is now because I spent, like, eight years in the Thai. So I'm really interested in this apparent contradiction. The lads identify strongly with their African background and say they don't really define themselves as Irish, but at the same time they regard a Thai in County Kildare as home. Actually, I live in Nathai. Do you know what's crazy? I didn't even know the name of the streets here. Legendary borough, yeah? Conley and the lads may have described Nathai as boring, but when it comes to showing someone else around, the river borough, they have plenty to say. The source of all moisture in this town. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, this is, this is where we, we chill every now and then when we come back home here. Yeah, especially in the summer, like, yeah. it's a nice place. Like, you know, it's, warm it's a nice place to kick it. Yeah, yeah. The bridge down there that we usually sit at, you know, like when you're sitting there, you can't hear anything else, just the water, you know. It's cool, it's cool, I think it's cool. All you hear is the, the water, because the canal is just on the other side of the barrow, you know, like, so th that bridge is where the canal meets the barrow. So we usually sit there, and it's just, it's quiet, and all you can hear is the water just splashing down, and then the, the wind, and then you can't hear anything else. Uh, spiritual. Yeah, it's therapeutic for me anyway. Yeah, the school. That's where that's where I first went to school in Ireland or in in a Thai. And my first day in there, I walked in, sat down. The teacher introduced me, but I just I just sat down like I wasn't really comfortable because I just moved from Newbridge. But um, 
<laughs> One of the coolest guys I know in the Thai, Craig McConville. He came and sat beside me. It's like, how are you type of thing. Kind of made me a, a bit more welcome into the group. The first day, I went out to the yard because it was an all-boys school. So most of the guys used to want to fight or see a fight. So I don't know how it happened, but I got organized into a little fight with one of the biggest guys in the school. And I thought, okay, let's go. So um, <laughs> I stood up Kick to this. <laughs> I stood up to this guy, and um, we had the little pushing contest. And he pushed me. I pushed him. I was like, cool. And people, people kind of respected me because I stood up to him because we were all boys. But I didn't know what was coming after. Is in, we went in for break, and before break, I decided to get out early. And I looked right. No one was there. I looked left, smacked to my face, full on box. I don't know if he jumped or if he swung with all his might, but I was on the ground for at least five minutes. But yeah, it was a great experience. I never got hit that hard before. What do you mean it was a great experience? As in, I don't know, I feel I learned from everything. And let's just say after that, I didn't really pick on him again. <laughs> Listen, yo, but this I, I'm telling you, I got some new joint. Woo! It's Oh, this school, man, memories in here. A lot of memories here. Shit. You see here? Yeah, that's the way that's the way people go upstairs. I used to hide under these stairs when I don't want to go to class. I used to sit there <laughs> and wait for everyone to go upstairs to the whole the whole place is quite see this is a fire exit. But I used to try and get out of this fire exit, like to skip school. But the vice principal's class is right there. So that was a mission. And oh, oh but I always I always managed to do it somehow. My friend lived in the estate right here, so at lunchtime we used to go to his house, it was easier. We're walking up the Rath Stewart Road towards the town, yeah? Yeah. And before we get to the town, we're going to pass them. Alska Natronoja, originally known as a combination of Scalone and School Mirror. I'm really bad at Irish, but that's my good attempt. And um, when we get there, I'm going to tell you about my experience in secondary school. Great experience, actually. I loved everyone, really. Everyone loved me, man. And we're gonna pass a factory. I've been, I, to uh, be honest, beans, I, the bean factory, yeah. The bean factory, yeah. It's closed down. Man. I, I only found out now it's a bean factory. I never knew a factory was. Yeah, I always passed this factory. Yeah, yeah. It's the industry yeah. in is dying slowly but surely. There was, a, there's a huge barley place there. The, uh, the barley place, I think they're starting to close that down as well. Oh, the one down. That was the last piece of industry. That was the last piece of industry left in Nakai. I think they closed that down. What'd you say, Sansen? But if but if, if you come from one society and you're living in another society, yeah. is that process of figuring out who you are, is that more complicated yeah, or yeah, a little bit tricky? Yeah, especially when you live in a different, uh, especially when you live in a different country, like all the people are different for you. Like you're trying to figure out like where you, where you belong and all. Like for me, I grew up, I grew up back at home. Like it was kind of like everyone knew everyone where back where I live. 
so like we we were all friends. But then when you come here, and you you start growing up, you know, it's like uh, you starting all over again. Like you know. And you feel you stand out a bit more. Yeah, you stand you, sta you stand out a bit more. Like because I was like the only black kid in in the school, so all eyes was on me most of the time. So I like it was I wasn't very comfortable at all. I have a I have a good example actually. Um, when I was in primary school, I was the only black in my class. So if I do something, it will have that little bit more effect than if anyone else in the room done something. And in secondary school, we read a few books like The Well and To Kill a Mockingbird. And let's say a Caucasian in the book will call a black person a nigger. The people I know well in the class will look back and smile at me. And the people that I don't know so well, they just look back. It's kind of an awkward moment, you know, when people look back, the word nigger is uttered, and then people turn around and look at you. It, that, that's well, a, that's an, you expect it. Yeah, it's kind of human instincts. It's like, I'm the only black person there, so you might as well look at me, so why not do it? It's, why do you think they were looking? Did they want to see if the word made you uncomfortable? Or, yeah, or? probably that. I guess this is what has made me. A nigga to the fiends, brother to the friends, don't tell us me of my progress. So I'm taking my time, yeah. I'm pacing myself, yeah. so I don't live to regret. Ah. Kiss your ass goodbye, lyrical G on the mic, like a split puffin' on the mic. The big bad wolf ain't got nothing on me, coming up quite steadily. If someone calls me, if I'm walking on the street and someone says, yo nigga, I'll just look at them and be like, yeah, what's up? because that will kind of break the whole tension thing and it will break them reacting to it in a bad way and me overreacting. So I just embrace the, the word anyways. Potatoes, man. Potatoes in different forms. Sliced potatoes. Potatoes are good. Irish stew is the best. Irish stew is pretty nice. Potatoes. Irish stew, man. I swear to God, I want to know how to make it. Roast potato. Cooked potato. Mashed potato. Dublin is nice, like the city, and more hypier places are nice, but I'm happy I lived in the Thai. As in, most of the times I, I minded my own business, and people minded their own business. And I didn't really get a big perspective of life, but what I got was pretty nice. You know, I got my education, I got friends, and I had a social life. I played sports. What else did I want? So... I don't know, a tie gave to me what I wanted. This is where 90% of my values were made, like as I grew up as a teenager. That's when I experienced a lot of things, like experienced with a lot of things and tried a lot of things out. So most of my values were actually made by me being in Ireland, by an Irish society. So, it, so that's why I'm more used to here than anywhere else. Like I wouldn't just decide to go to Canada tomorrow. Like that would be a hard decision for me to make. You guys were joking about it between yourselves that in some ways you'd be completely out of place now if you went to Nigeria because... Yeah. You've been away for for so long. Well, my mindset now, I will go back one time in the future. But um, right now, I feel like <laughs> right now I feel like there's other things I should do instead of going back. And I would really stand out, as in my mindset and all the things that I've adapted to around here. I can't really be like that there. Yeah, that society is totally different. 
Where do you kind of belong then? You, you kind of feel home in like here in Europe. Everyone yeah, just being with your life. being with your friends yeah. that you you grew up with because you feel more like home when you're with them. If they weren't here, if they all moved, if let's say Paddy moved, Lebo moved, David moved, both moved, everyone didn't come back here, I would never come here again. <laughs> I would come here because it's home, but like I would never stay here for more than a week. No way. It occurs to me that what the lads are saying is similar to the experience of children of Irish migrants in England, where talking about going home meant coming back to Ireland, where they were viewed as Irish by the English they lived amongst, but when they came home to Ireland, they were the English cousins. In South Africa, it's kind of like I'm on holiday, but in my own home. It's weird, but that's how it feels. Sometimes I feel like throwing my hands up in the air And I know I can count on you Sometimes I feel like saying, Lord, I just don't care I know I can count on you Sometimes I feel like saying, you got the love I need to see me through I love the accent. <laughs> I love going to different parts of Ireland and you hear different Irish accents. It's lovely. Because the other day someone says to me, Glory, do you know your accent is between Dundalk, Dublin, American, then you have a bit of a Nigerian thing going there. You got love. You got love. You got love. I'd really thought about the mixed identity these young people experience as an extra challenge they face when growing up. Another issue, on top of everything else teenagers encounter, in trying to figure out who they are and where they fit in. But these young people have surprised me. They're adaptable and resilient and seem to have a really good handle on things. There's a little kids near my house and when I'm always passing beside them, they say, oh, there's the African man. I don't, I, don't, I don't find anything wrong with that because I am an African man at the end of the day, you know what I mean? I am a citizen of Ireland, but I am an African man at the end of the day, you know what I mean? Well, South Africa is more a luxury for me when I go home, and Ireland is more of the reality. I kind of summed it up as in home is home, and it's wherever you make home. This is our Africa, like, it's what we made of it, you know? 